Welcome in fresh episode of the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Stat Matt, joined alongside my co-host, as always, Joey G. And we, we had a little bit of a break last week. We, uh, to, to be quite frank, we got busy with, you know, work schedules and just logistics. Couldn't make it happen, but should be on a little more of a consistent basis here. Um, Joey and I will have a, a pretty decent-sized winter break, so we'll have some time off from school and... Um, other work commitments and stuff like that, so have more time to dedicate to the podcast, uh, getting more episodes out to you guys more frequently. But on today's episode of the Back and Forth Podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple things that we brought up in passing almost on the show yesterday, uh, that being the Back and Forth radio show, which you can always hear on 91.5 The Rebel HD 2, 6 to 7 p.m. every Monday night. Um, but the first one being Jay Norvell going to Colorado State. The second being the college football playoff. Pretty a very college football dedicated episode. That's, well, I mean, we're in a really good time for college football, and it's hard to believe we only have like a month and a half left of college football. If that, because uh, the the championships pretty much a month from now. Yeah, it's the, the, first the week championship. Of January, yeah, so I, you're right. I, I was thinking it was still November for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, less than like Finals a month away. Got Matt, uh, Matt's just not himself. Yeah, you Finals know, week. It, it, it's crazy times at uh, UNLV, but uh, UNLV will not be participating in the Bulls. Just FYI, just in case Thank anybody. You. Thank you for the confirmation. Just, just in case anybody was wondering, like, is that is UNLV in it? I was wondering no. with their two and ten record, maybe they snuck into one. You know, <laughs> maybe they snuck into the uh, the Cheeto Bowl or something. I don't know. Not not this year for Marcus Royals Club. But. Nothing will ever beat as bad as the name as the Mayonnaise Bowl. That is. And now how do you get your players excited for that? Like guys were not, going to the Mayo Bowl. And now that you brought that up, UNLV will become bowl eligible next year to play in to play in the Mayo's Bowl. They're they're going to put a special Won't request in. Won't watch it. They, they'll say, you know what? We want to play in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Like, like how do you like the Rose Bowl is <laughs> a fun game to get excited for, but right. like some of these games that have like sponsors on them, like mayonnaise, like it's a the mayonnaise trophy. The uh, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. There's, that, is, that, is that real? That's a real thing this year. The Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel has his own bowl game. Yes. The worst late night talk show host. Yes. He's just as bad as I get them mixed up. Jimmy Fallon's also bad. Jimmy Fallon, like that's the dude that was used to be on SNL, right? Right. He's, he just like laughs at everything. Ima- imagine. Like he'll have a, his guest talking about like their depression and like Jimmy Fallon just crack you know cracking up right there behind the desk and then Jimmy Kimmel tries to make fun of everyone. I mean, so. ima- imagine that conversation with your athletic director if you're a head coach of one of these teams. You're like, you know what? We're uh, we're pretty excited. We're we're gonna go play in the the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Who's where's that being played? L.A. I know what stadium. Uh, SoFi, I think. What the? F- I think who's so- in it? Uh, let me look that up. It's not like terribly bad teams. I don't think. That is the stupidest name. Like, that is so dumb. Like <laughs> the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. How does how does this guy get his own bowl game? The least funny. I mean, him and Fallon are both pretty bad. Must be the name Jimmy. I guess so. And James Corden's also the only one I can actually watch is I think is Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien's good. Conan O'Brien's funny. Conan O'Brien seems like a real human. All right, so you ready for the participants of this Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl? Are they Power Five schools? Uh, one of them is. Uh, I don't know who is it. Utah State, 
in Oregon State. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Utah State's pretty cool, I guess. I mean, they just won the Mountain West. The Beavers, on the other hand, I, mean, I don't know. 10-3 and three going up against 7-5. and five. What a game. At SoFi. The attendance will be like 5K. It, SoFi will look very, very dim. We also have uh, Utah will also be in L.A. too. The Not Utah State, Utah Utes for the Rose Bowl, correct? Yeah, the be, the actual notable bowl game in yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah, Utah takeover in uh, SoCal. But, yeah, a lot of these names are just stupid. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel may may top the Mayonnaise Bowl, but, like, again, like Matt was just saying, like, how do you get your players excited for that? The Jimmy Kimmel Trophy? Or the the mayonnaise trophy, like like if you're an athletic director, just, like I can see why these players don't play the final game of the season, so they can just start getting ready for. Well, the like NFL. if if you're in, let's say you're the athletic director of like Oregon State and they win this Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, as a head coach, how do you even say with a straight face like when you're trying to convince your AD to keep you on for another year? Well, we ended the year really good. We we won the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, like. How do you say that first off with a straight face? And how does your athletic director not like just start rolling on the floor laughing hysterically? I don't know. <laughs> if that if that's if that's what's gonna get your job back, or that's what you're holding on to to keep your job, then you may just want to start packing. Your yeah, things. you you might just want to take. Why take, is that being played at SoFi? I don't. That know. should be played like at the the Dignity Health Sports Park. Like there you go. Give that some. I don't even think it would sell out. Still, go play at like uh, modern high school. Go play at Modern Day. How about yeah. that? There you go. Yeah, go play at a high school or just set some bleachers up in a parking lot. Roll out some turf. <laughs> there you go. There you go. The Jimmy uh, Kimmel LA Bowl. But uh, while we we are on the topic of some Mountain West schools, one made a notable move in their coaching, uh, their head coaching ranks. That being Colorado State brought in Jay Norvell from Reno. And Reno now they haven't hired their a new head coach yet. I don't believe to the best. No, of No, they gave it to. Uh, they hired an interim, which was surprising. Who they? You would have thought they gave it to the offensive coordinator, but uh, they gave it to. He's a former NFL player. That's all I remember. Um, but they have not made it an official replacement yet. No, or they made a interim head coach, but they've not brought in a official head coach. I should say. And now uh, Jay Norvell heads to Fort Collins to coach the Colorado State Rams. Yeah, I mean I don't blame him. Uh, not to, not trying to. We love uh, giving Reno Reno crap, but on a again, daily basis, yes. Yeah, Fort Collins is a uh, is a beautiful town. Uh, CSU has great facilities. They, like I said yesterday on yesterday's show, they just built a a brand new forty thousand seat stadium a couple years ago. They have an actual football facility. Uh, UNR doesn't have two of those things. Uh, they are they're still playing in a. A, their stadium looks like Liberty High School Stadium. They still have bleachers <laughs> set up, and uh, they don't have a football facility. And like me and Matt and Dom were joking yesterday that they they use the uh, the school gym <laughs> to do uh, to do weights and uh, whatever workouts they have to do instead of having their own their own practice facility. But yeah, it makes sense. Um, is it a is it the leap Jay Norval probably wanted to make? No, but Colorado State is uh, one of those programs I think that is going to get. That is going to move into a Power Five uh, conference very soon. Um, they definitely have better chances to do it than UNR uh, and UNLV. Colorado State was on the verge of going to the Big Twelve a couple years ago, um, and this is a team that could still very well join the Big Twelve. This is a team that could very well join the American, or not a team, a program that could very well join uh, the American and the Pac-12 as well. So I think Colorado State within the next five years uh, is going to get that bid, especially if Jay Norvell can run uh, a the same kind of program he did in, uh, up in Reno. 
and it's going to be a lot easier to recruit, I think, in Fort Collins, too. Because, again, like I said, if you've been to Fort Collins, uh, it, is, it is a beautiful town. You have the facilities. Uh, you've got the stadium. Um, again, it's a, it's a suburb of Denver, so I, I think you'll do very well there. And uh, he may just end up staying there. If they, if they move to a Power 5 conference, uh, then, again, he, he may just end up staying there. Uh, or if he does really well in these next two or three years, then he'll get poached by another school. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he does there. I think that's a great hire for Colorado State. Um, you know, you didn't, you don't go too expensive. You don't go too cheap. It's right there in the middle. And I think they're going to get a lot more than – I think they're giving them $1 million or somewhere around there. And I think they're going to – that's going to pay out very well for them. I think General Bell is a, is a fantastic coach, and he's going to do some good things in Colorado State. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of said a little bit on the show yesterday that um, I was happy for Jane Orville. I thought the opportunity was well-deserved uh, given what he did at Nevada. And I think going to Colorado State, it, and this, is, this isn't this is really much disrespect to Colorado State. It, it more so just feels like a matter of fact that Jane Orville is going to go to Colorado State, and it's almost going to feel like a stepping stone for some Power Five because I think – if Jane Orville can carry what he did at Reno over to Colorado State and have some of the similar success, you know, have Colorado State in the conversation for the Mountain West, uh, much like he had Reno, I, I think we're talking about Jane Orville going to a Power Five probably within the next two to three years. I, I think this happens fairly quickly. I think the reputation has now been built up around Jane Orville when it comes to the Mountain West. A lot of recruits are familiar with the name Jane Orville. Um, they know his background. Uh, they they've seen, you know, a guy like Carson Strong develop under Jay Norvell, who arguably is going to be a top ten pick in this upcoming draft. So there's a very reputable name now forming and a very reputable reputation around Jay Norvell. And if if you wanted like a comparison, at least in the college ranks, you could almost make the case Jay Norvell's kind of like the Mountain West's version or the group of fives version of a Lincoln Riley where he wins right away. He's got the resume behind it and he can recruit really well. Offensive mind too. Yeah. I I think that's probably the closest comparison I could give you as far as like type of coach he is. He's still pretty uh, young, much like Lincoln Riley is, but obviously Lincoln Riley is in the now probably $10 million a year range and Jane Orvell is signing for a million dollars. So only a million dollars. Only, only what a joke. Only a million. I mean, we we say that like I mean, if somebody walked up on the street to Joey or I and said, "Hey, you want to come coach football for a million dollars a year?" We, I don't think we could sign the paperwork fast enough. We do it for a hundred thousand. Yeah. Deal. Hundred thousand and as much free gear as I can have. <laughs> well, we got a deal. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I I am pretty happy for Jay Norvell. I think it's going to work. And again, this feels like a temporary spot for Jay Norvell because I think in two to three years he's going to go to a power five. I don't know if Colorado State builds up necessarily the resume to move to a power five in that time frame only because basketball has been lacking a little bit behind, at least historically, not so much in the past couple of seasons. The past couple of years they've actually been pretty good in basketball, but when you look at them as a whole, you, you kind of see that Colorado State's kind of been lacking a little bit behind in basketball or they've been lacking behind in football or whatever the case may be. Basketball is fantastic right now well obviously. that's what i'm saying like as the last yeah. few years you know last year and now this year they they've done really well but you know historically 
Colorado State's been one of those basketball teams that you uh, you look at the schedule and you go, oh, okay, good, we've got these guys. Like we 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 can get an easy dub here. Um, but going to be interested to see um, just how quickly Jay Norvell can win there. I think probably within maybe as quick as year one, but I think by year two, maybe towards the end of year two, we start seeing the success for Jay Norvell happen at Colorado State, and um, who knows, maybe. Maybe he can take Colorado State on some magical run like Cincinnati uh, and make a no- make a case for the college football playoff because, as we've seen now this year, it is possible for a Group of Five team to make the the college football playoff, which for the longest time we everybody thought was kind of a foregone conclusion that they they couldn't make the playoff because they were a Group of Five school or you know we we saw the few years back probably three four maybe even five years ago now if I got my years right. With uh, UCF, they went undefeated. They made a very strong and compelling case to be in the Final Four for the college football playoff. And I think ultimately because they were a group of five school, at least at the time, the committee didn't really value that much, value it all that much. And I think after that, a lot of people had the mis- misunderstanding or um, at least the conclusion form that if you're a group of five school, you're probably not getting into the college football playoff, even if you go undefeated, much like UCF did. And so um, now that I think Cincinnati has made the playoff, um, hopefully teams in the Mountain West, such as like a Colorado State, if they can have the success that I think they can have with Jay Norvell and uh, maybe even teams like Boise State, who are always really good, and, and those smaller schools that may not get talked about all that much, if they can start generating some noise, I, I hope that we can see some more of those teams in the college football playoff because at the end of the day, I, I'm I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing the excuse that the group of five schools can't compete with the, the power fives. Well, I mean, it's not even it's not even about competing. It's about if you earn it, you earn it. And like I said yesterday, the committee's just full. And now, now we're going to just transition to the playoffs, I assume. But I can cuss on here. So the committee's just full of fucking nerds. Like, you don't have enough quad, tier one wins. You don't have, like, again... Division one football, it's Division one athletics regardless, but Division one football is a lot tougher because it's only 120 something schools compared to 350 in Division one basketball. These are Division one athletes regardless, and if you're winning 13 straight games and you're winning your conference championship, that deserves to be recognized. Um, and it really doesn't matter who you're beating or the strength of like 13 and 0 is 13 and 0 to me, and. Um, for for a school like UTSA, I know they finished twelve and one, but for them to be still around like around the twenties in the ranking right now, I think is a I think is a complete joke. And um, it's it's really not about if this school can compete with this school. If you play well and you play good football for the entire season, I think you deserve to be rewarded for it. Um, and Cincinnati definitely earned that position in the college football playoff. No undefeated team who won their conference to be the last seed in. Um, you can make the argument for one through three, but you know they should not be the last team in. That's 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 pretty ridiculous to me. Georgia should have been ranked number four, um, and then you know you can kind of argue with who you want to do one, two, three, but Cincinnati should not have been number four. And the fact that Cincinnati had to pretty much fight their way in um, and was kind of just hanging around four or five for most of the most of the last half of the season is also kind of an embarrassment. And even the committee admitting to, I think a lot of people agreed that Notre Dame probably didn't have any business being in there. Uh, but the committee's reason for that was was stupid. It was because Notre Dame's head coach left, mm-hmm. and that was going to be the reason that Notre Dame didn't get in. So if, if Alabama would have lost and Cincy would have lost, Notre Dame wasn't going to get in because of their coach, even though they were the next team in. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So 
Um, both for basketball or school, uh, for basketball and football, they kind of need to reorganize it and figure something else out because it's it, it's pretty stupid to me, like how they how they pick who is worthy of getting into the tournament and who is worthy of getting into the playoff. Like in basketball, for college basketball, for example, if you go twenty eight and four in the regular season, and then you go two and one in the tournament, so you finish thirty and five, but you don't have enough quad one or tier one wins or whatever the 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 phrase is. You're not going to get into the tournament. You're going to go to the NIT, even though you just went thirty and five. Like that's ridiculous. But sixteen and seventeen. Uh, I'm trying to think of a random school. Denver, Denver University is going to get in because they won their conference championship. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like conference champions should get in, but why is the thirty and five school not getting any recognition? Kind of like how Colorado State got snubbed out of the tournament last season. Uh, it was a much shorter season, but they went like eighteen and four or eighteen and five, something along those lines, and they're one of the first four out because they didn't win the Mount West. Um, it it's kind of dumb. Now it's funny. I'll I'll address the the four teams here in a moment, but one thing that me and my dad were talking about the other, I think it was probably last week or two weeks ago, um, when it came to if you had your choice, how would you restructure the the college football playoff system? I said, well. If you really wanted to make it fair for everybody, and we're talking mainly uh, Power 5 and Group of 5, I'd said you give all those conferences, their conference champion has an automatic bid in. And then I think you leave six at-large bids out. So that you would essentially have 16. But when you make it 16, my caveat was you go down to 10 regular season games, and you take away the conference championship game. Because quite frankly, I hate the idea of a conference championship because if you think about it, a team like Cincinnati would have gotten screwed with a conference champion. Because let's say, for instance, I know it didn't happen, but if Houston beats Cincinnati outright, Cincinnati gets snubbed out of a playoff spot because they went 12-0 and in the regular season, but because they lose the conference championship game, all of a sudden now you're going to say that they didn't, they're not deserving of it because they lose one game that's not even in their regular season. It's a postseason game. That's why I would have made it, you make it 10 regular season games. Um, you take, you can have one out of conference, or if you want to go to all conference, however it shakes out, but you play 10 regular season games, and the winners of each conference, and you'd have to do some realignment to the conferences, but the top team in each conference automatically, whether it's a Power 5 or a Group of 5, all have bids to get in. So at least the teams are playing for something because they know, hey, if we get a top seed and our conference, we're going to get into the playoff and we're going to have a chance. And then you can leave six at-large bids for, you know, the teams such as like, um, that maybe come in second of their conference, but they put together a really good resume. Um, that's some, that's something I'd be okay with restructuring that way, because at that point you're still at most going to play 14 games during that year. If you let's say you make, you play all 10 of your regular season games, you play the round of 16, you play the round of eight, you play the round of four, and you play the championship. That's 14 games altogether. And I, I still think it eliminates the question of, like, is this college football playoff system fair for everyone? Right. And so that that's just more so if I had my choice and they said, hey, we need you to restructure this, that's probably what I would do. Now, I get some schools would be upset about cutting out the non-conference and cutting out the conference championship game. Uh, probably primarily because of financial reasons, but my counter argument would be, okay, but you understand under the certain circumstance, especially if you are a group of five school, 
you have eliminated basically all your chance to get into the playoff outside of very rare instances such as Cincinnati. So you have to make those adjustments. And if you're a group of five school, you should probably be more in favor of this because sure, you get rid of a couple non-conference games and you get rid of your conference championship, but at the end of the day, you're still having a chance to make the college football playoff as long as you play well within your conference. Now I get it, like... Sure, one, one playing 16, that's probably going to be a blowout, and 16's probably not going to do very well. But you look at it also kind of like the March Madness tournament. We've also seen some of those lower seeds uh, come up with upsets, and college football is always fo- filled with the upsets. So from a competition standpoint, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with going 10 to 11 games, but I wouldn't rule out the conference championship. Uh, I think those are important games, and um, not everyone's going to be in the playoff. So there's there's schools that, you know, start the season rocky but start getting it together towards the back end of the season and they're able to get into the conference championship. So that's kind of like their – to me that's more value. Like a conference championship is more valuable than the Duke Mayonnaise Bowl trophy, and that's not even me trying to be funny again. But, like, I'd much rather have a, a Mountain West or a Pac-12 championship winning your conference rather than winning a, a, a singular bowl game. Like being the best team out of a 12- to 16-team conference versus winning a – a pointless bowl game like those are more pointless than the conference championships i think uh so i wouldn't rule that out and I, i'm okay with going to, to 10 or 11 games if you want to expand it to six or eight teams but um i think it should stay around six or eight six or eight teams for the college football playoff um but i mean we'll see like every year there's this debate and again no matter no matter how much they expand the teams to it's always going to be someone got snubbed yeah you look at the ncaa tournament that's 68 teams get in there's 64, and then there's the, the the playing game. So I think in total, 68 teams get in. And then we still have arguments about, wow, this team got snubbed, this team got snubbed. So it doesn't matter how, how much they expand it to in college football. You're going to have that argument no matter what. Um, but, again, if a team goes undefeated, they go undefeated, and they should be awarded for that. You can make arguments for one lost teams or two lost teams, but uh, going undefeated is – incredibly hard to do and that's why it, it it rarely happens or there's only one or two schools that usually end up being undefeated like Cincinnati is the only undefeated team in the country out of 127 teams good thing they're in the playoff uh so like it, it is hard to do and even the teams that play week in week conferences or week schedules they still end up losing a game because it is hard to go undefeated UTSA you know people are like conference USA is weak how do they end up losing a game it's hard to win 13 straight games um, it's it's not an easy accomplishment. Maybe even San Diego State, you know, the Mountain West wasn't exactly all that challenging this year. SDSU there's usually about three or four ranked teams in the Mountain West, honestly, or sometimes two or three. SDSU was the only ranked team in there at 24. How did they win that? Win the Mountain West? Well, it's incredibly hard to, you know, constantly win football games, and they I think finished the year 10 and three or somewhere around that range. So it, it's hard to do. And if you pull it off, you know, you should be awarded for that. Uh, but again. I'll leave the one loss, two loss arguments a little separate because you can make arguments for that. But undefeated, undefeated's undefeated in my book, and you're in if you're undefeated. That's how I would do it. Now, I do think with the committee putting in Cincinnati, they've now set a precedent that if you go undefeated, even if you're a group of five, you should be considered for the playoff. The only the only reason I think they got let Cincinnati in was because Oklahoma State lost. I, I can promise you if Oklahoma State would have won their championship game, you're probably, they would have gotten in. You're honest, Cincinnati would have gotten 
snubbed out. I mean, you're probably like, well, they won the Big 12, and, you know, they have more tier one wins or whatever, so. You're probably right, and, and I'm almost a little bit surprised they didn't consider putting Notre Dame in over Cincinnati, only because Notre Dame had one loss, and they were sitting there at five. And you can make the same argument, well, if they want to st- keep consistent with having, you know, set a precedent, by all by that account, Cincinnati should not have gotten in. If we take into account what happened to UCF back in the earlier days of the playoff system, where UCF, under a very similar situation, went, re, you know, ran their conference, they went a perfect thirteen and zero, including the conference championship, and um, they were also much like Cincinnati, the only remaining undefeated team left out of one hundred twenty seven uh, NCAA college football teams, and they still get snubbed. So. If you're if you're going off that, absolutely, I think Cincinnati probably would have gotten snubbed if there was another viable team, such as like an Oklahoma State. Um, and again, I'm I'm kind of surprised they didn't give more consideration to Notre Dame if they wanted to stay consistent to that. But at that same time, I'm also happy that Cincinnati got in because now it's proven to the country that you can be a Group of Five school and you can still get in as long as you have a a good season and you 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 know you go undefeated you. You win your conference championship, and uh, I, I think it it hopefully is going to open up that door moving forward to give some, the group of five conferences some more love because I, I do think there's some decent football in the group of five. I get everybody is consumed with the power five, and you know we talk about the SEC all the time and the Big Ten and all that, but uh, I, I do think there is some some decent football, some decent talent within the group of five conferences. Uh, but look, looking at the uh, four teams that are in. Uh, right now, I, I even though they're not ranked number one, I would probably tell you Alabama's the best team out of these four teams. I, I, I think as a complete team, I understand Alabama lost to an unranked Texas A&M this year, but ever since that game, you look at Alabama and you notice they are way more focused now on winning each game. Even a game that they, they probably didn't have much business winning um, a couple weeks ago against Auburn that Nick Saban was able to focus his team enough to make enough plays down the stretch in order to beat a rival. And then you see what they did to Georgia in the conference championship game. Absolutely opened the floodgates on them. And after that game, I walked away saying, you know what, I think Alabama is the best team in this in this group of four teams. Um, I would say probably as crazy as this is going to sound, I think Michigan's the second best team. I don't even think Georgia's the second best I think Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia's probably around. I think Georgia's probably the third best team in this group of four teams, and then obviously you would have Cincinnati there. Um, I don't like this matchup for Cincinnati against Alabama because something tells me Alabama's going to open up a new one on Cincy. The, the matchups are they want they they want the they rematch. want an Alabama. They think they think that's what the fans want. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are anticipating, you know, including the committee. I think are are going to anticipate. Alabama's going to roll pretty easily over Cincinnati. They're probably thinking like a, a 45-17 type of score. Um, and then Georgia probably takes care of Michigan, which I would have actually had it kind of flipped around a little bit. I would have had Alabama play Georgia in the semifinal, Michigan play Cincy. Get it out of the way because we know we won't. Be- and and it, Let him have the rematch there. Yeah, and I think it makes for a better semifinal game to watch because honestly – and this, I hope this doesn't come across as any disrespect to Cincinnati because I, I do like them as a team. 
I think a lot of people could be turning that Cincinnati game off at halftime, depending on how bad Alabama really takes it to them in the first half. Because yeah. we've seen Alabama before have like 31 to nothing halftime scores. And so from a product standpoint, I would have, if I'm a consumer, I want to watch Alabama, Georgia more so than I would watch Alabama, Cincinnati. Um, because you walk into that game thinking, well, it's Alabama and Cincinnati. I mean, surely Alabama's going to win. Like, I don't know if anybody outside of the Cincinnati fan base and the Cincinnati players and coaches actually think Alabama's going to lose that game. And um, granted, I mean, Georgia-Michigan's a good game. I would have even been okay with that being a, a national championship game if, you know, Georgia were to beat Alabama and Michigan were to beat Cincinnati. I'd be okay with that being a national championship game. I have no problem with that. I don't have no problem being a Michigan-Alabama or um, – Maybe it's a Michigan-Cincinnati national championship game. That yeah. that would really throw the uh, college football atmosphere, college football world on its head a little bit. But, um, I mean, the committee did what they did. We, I think I said it when it happened that it showed their SEC bias. Yeah. And I think there's no denying that the, the, the committee is incredibly biased to the SEC. And they've been biased ever since the days of the BCS. Like you can even go back to the BCS format, the you know Miller. I don't think it was necessarily a, a selection committee, but um, back in the BCS, I think it was like you know maybe ath- some athletic directors, some media members. It was a combination of all those that were deciding the BCS bowls and who got to play in the national championship game. You could still tell there was a a bias to the SEC, and um, you know maybe that bias changed, maybe it doesn't, but it, it's kind of one of those we're stuck with at least in the current time and. Um, it, I'm I'm looking forward to these semifinal games, and I, I I know a lot of people aren't happy that they're on New Year's Eve. I actually don't mind the, these games being on New Year's Eve personally. I first off, it gives me something to watch on New Year's Eve because yeah. y- you look around like typically New Year's Eve, there's usually a Vegas Golden Knights game going on, usually pretty early on in the day. It's like a noon or a one o'clock game. UNLV basketball sometimes. Occasionally UNLV <laughs> basketball. Um. But, like, outside of that, like, by the time you get to, like, 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, there's They're not, all, like, day games. Yeah, they're all, they're all – there's really nothing to watch. And if you're a person that, like, doesn't really go out on New Year's Eve or don't like, doesn't like to do, like, the whole on the strip or in Times Square or anything like that, um, you know, your, your viewing options get a little bit limited. So I'm, I'm cool with these games being on New Year's Eve. You know, you're probably looking at four-hour type of games, so – you know, I think the the one of the games is like twelve thirty here on the West Coast, and the other is like three thirty or four thirty, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I have no problem with that. It's better for entertainment, and I, I get it, it's supposed to be a New Year's Six bowl, but look, New Year's Eve is close enough. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it'll work. Yeah, it'll be close. You'll have plenty to watch on New Year's Day. You'll have the Rose Bowl. You'll have some other good bowl games. Like just beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. With that being said, I think Joe, uh, Joey and I can both say we're, we're pretty excited for bowl season to come up, especially I know Joey's looking forward to the Dukes-Mayo's Bowl. He he may, he may even consider getting tickets just for that game so that he Where's can— Where's it at, in North Carolina or— It might. I think it is in North Carolina, yeah. So Joey will be flying first class Charlotte, to NC. Charlotte, here we come. <laughs> the Mayo Bowl. Front row on the 50-yard line for the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. I can't believe the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl is still real. That's— <laughs> That might be worse, honestly. <laughs> oh, but Jesus! I know. We thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Back and Forth. We'll be back later on towards the end of the week 
with more episodes for you guys, and we'll uh, we'll preview some stuff that's going to happen over the weekend. We'll have UNLV basketball. We'll have a little bit to talk about them. They have a game coming up on Wednesday night at uh, Michelob Ultra Arena. We'll have that game to recap. We'll have their game coming up on Saturday to preview. We'll have some NFL stuff like that coming up on future episodes of the Back and Forth podcast. Remember, you can download the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, that being you know Apple Podcasts, Google uh, Spotify, all those good things. Uh, make sure you download that, and also make sure you're following the show up on Twitter at BackforthPod, Instagram's at BackforthPodcast, and Joey and I will obviously make sure we retweet all that type of stuff on our personals, so you'll have that. Until the next episode of Back and Forth, we thank you guys for tuning in, and you've been listening to the Back and Forth Podcast. Mm-hmm.